Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 you know what i'm saying like it could have been like easier and a lot of people have asked me like how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. To one and all, welcome into the Azunia Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you once again. We've got a wonderful show for you. Hunter Engelhardt, he was a gentleman that played a little bit of independent and D1 baseball. He is now a baseball handicapper for Sports Memo. He is going to be joining me in the second segment. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board in something I'd like to call Touch Em All. First things first, you guys asked a couple Twitter questions, and you know what? You're getting some answers. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. Kevin Donaher, he goes by the Twitter handle at KDonaher, D-A-N-N-A-H-E-R, S-H-U-N-N-E-R-S-C-O-R-D-E-1. When do you know the difference between a trend and something that is a sign of regression? This is something I feel like I have a pretty good handle on because when you see a sign of regression, it is something like a pitcher having a two ERA while it's fielding independent, which is more or less the things that they control, like home runs, walks, everything like that. It's like a four. If you see that double, that's something that is a sign of regression. Maybe a team out there in the American League is on a six-game winning streak, but all six of those games came against the Kansas City Royals and the Baltimore Orioles, and all of which were by one game. You know what? That might be a little bit of regression. Something that may not be regression is 
like what we're seeing with the Cincinnati Reds. About 63 to 64% of their games are being played to the under. This is because they've got one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues with regards to ERA. They have a team that, let's face it, they don't hit very well. One of the lowest teams out there in all of baseball with regards to runs per game, batting average, all those sorts of things. And yet they have an ace in Luis Castillo as well. That tells you that they're going to be playing a lot of lower scoring games. That's really what I look to in regards to regression. And then maybe if you see a pitcher with a 2-8 and record and his ERA is somewhere in the neighborhood of a 3, like Marcus Stroman has been a tough luck loser, that might be a little bit of something where you sit there and say, if this guy continues to pitch like this, you know what? He is bound to get some wins. And Kevin asks another question. This is one that was asked to me a couple days ago. My apologies for just getting into it for just getting to it now at GNNR Squirty1. Have you ever thrown logic aside and just trusted your gut feeling? Maybe for even just for 50-50 games? Absolutely. If you guys recalled, I was on the LA Angels on Tuesday. On Monday with the exact same pitching matchup, I was on the Texas Rangers. On Tuesday, I went with the LA Angels just because I thought it was an ultimate motivation spot. The numbers pointed to Texas, but my heart just told me the LA Angels. And sometimes you'll notice in my game breakdowns, I'll go through what I'm seeing on one side, I'll go through what I'm seeing in another, and I'll use the phrase, I just have a feeling. Those are typically where I'm going a little bit more with my guts. So obviously I'm doing the research, I'm putting in everything that I can to try to find an edge, but sometimes when I'm very split on a game, I will just use my guts. So hopefully that answers that. Thank you so much for the questions. And now let's take a look back at yesterday's results, try to find some trends and try to become a better and try to become better handicappers from it. So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. The Washington Nationals and Miami Marlins wound up having their game delayed a little bit by rain, but it was the Washington Nationals being able to pull off a 3-2 win over the fish for the Miami Marlins. They wound up having their young pitcher Zach Allen get knocked out in the second inning due to that weather delay he wound up giving up two runs in two innings and he also gave up a home run to the Washington Nationals supplying that one was Juan Soto his 15th of the year he also had a triple in this one so he came a single and a double away from the cycle but you got to give it to the Miami Marlins bullpen they combined for six and two-thirds innings they give up one run the lone man that gave up a run was out there unfortunately in the ninth inning for them as Jose Quijada winds up giving up that run. And for the Washington Nationals, they got some good pitching out of Patrick Corbin for as long as he was in the game. He wound up returning after the rain delay, seven innings pitch. He gives up one run, so good on him. Wander Swear out there in the bullpen gives up a run as the Washington Nationals bullpen. Still a little bit shaky, but I will say, in the month of June, their fielding independent was right around league average, and John Doolittle winds up being able to close out the game for the save, so the Washington Nationals get that one. Rain also affected the Chicago Cubs versus Pittsburgh Pirates game as you wound up having the bullpens having to work a lot in this one, but it was the Pirates being able to pull off a 5-1 to win. Kyle Hendricks makes his first start off the injured list and is only able to go three innings as a result. He gives up two runs, and then the man that really gave it up for the Chicago Cubs, giving up two runs while recording just two outs, still made He is a guy that you can't trust in this bullpen. And then you had Mike Montgomery provide three and a third innings with giving up just one run from there out of the Cubs bullpen. And for the Cubs, they just weren't able to generate a lot of offense as Joe Musgrove looked very good in the early part of this one. Three innings pitch, he gives up one run. But then from there, Francisco Liriano, Clay Holmes, Kyle Crick, Felipe Vasquez, and Richard Rodriguez 
all provide six innings of relief, and Vasquez was the only man that gave up a run, and the Pittsburgh Pirates were able to get a long ball off of Mike Montgomery in this one. Adam Frazier supplied that, his fourth home run of the year, and by the way, the Pittsburgh Pirates have now played four of their last five games to the under. This is a team that entering into its streak was the second best team to the over. The Boston Red Sox just completely dismantled the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 10-6. to Blue Jays, by the way, have now scored at least five runs in 12 of their last 13 games, but the pitching certainly is out there. As for the Boston Red Sox, they were able to go deep three times in this one. Rafael Devers supplied two of those home runs, his 13th and 14th home runs of the year, and then Christian Vasquez, his 12th. As for the Toronto Blue Jays, Trent Thornton was out long for this game. Two and two-thirds innings, he gives up seven runs, all of which were earned. Derek Law winds up giving up a solo home run in an inning of relief. He gave up one run total. Joe Biagini gives up two runs in an inning of relief as well. And Sean Reed Foley, who apparently is a starting pitcher for today, wound up pitching three and a third innings. You got to think that this game at some point is going to be taken off the board and he's going to be replaced because, like I said, he's supposed to start today. So, obviously, that puts things in limbo for Wednesday and my preview there. But Danny Jansen, the lone bright spot for the Toronto Blue Jays in this one, I guess you could say. He hits his fifth home run of the year. That was off of Colton Brewer and David Price. A solid start in this one. Six innings pitch. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned. He had Brewer giving up that solo home run, but... In the eighth inning, but in the ninth inning, Trevor Kelly winds up going one inning and gives up three runs, all of which were earned. Needless to say, his ERA being a 27 right now, not necessarily a redeeming quality. There are not too many redeeming qualities right now for the Baltimore Orioles as they lose the Tampa Bay Rays by a count of 6-3. The Tampa Bay Rays now in their 50 wins have won by two-plus runs in 45 of them. As for the Tampa Bay Rays, being able to supply the big hit in this one, Brandon Lowe, and that was in the first inning. That was his 16th of the year as you wound up having Asher Wojciechowski get the start for the Baltimore Orioles. He wasn't awful. He gives up that home run and four total runs in five and a third innings. From there, Paul Fry gives up a run out of the bullpen while recording four outs. And Jacob Yacobonis gives up a run while recording just one out. And for the Baltimore Orioles, he did get two home runs. Chris Davis, his sixth home run of the year. And Chance Sisko was doing his I Got My Fifth Home Run of the Year, not the thong song dance. And for Charlie Morton, a tremendous start for the Tampa Bay Rays. He is back online. Seven innings pitch. He gives up one run. I believe he has only lost two decisions in his last 24 starts, 12 punch outs. And then you did have Chaz Rowe giving up two runs, including that home run in the ninth inning. But Adam Klarik, a quality inning of relief as well for the Rays. The New York Mets have now won two in a row after losing seven straight. They take down the New York Yankees by a count of four to two. If you are looking for an encouraging sign for the Yankees, James Paxton looked like his normal self in this one. Six innings pitch, he gives up just one run. That one run was the Mets' lone home run as being able to supply that was J.D. Davis, his ninth of the year, but the Yankees' bullpen let them down in this one. Adam Adovino records this one out, giving up three runs, two of which were earned. He was hurt by D.J. LeMahieu air, and the Yankees were hurt by just a lack of power in general as Zach Wheeler Wound up having his pitch count badly elevated in this one. He had to go 116 pitches, but he gives up just two runs. And then the bullpen actually did its job. Seth Lugo, Edwin Diaz, and Justin Wilson provide two and two-thirds innings without even giving up a hit. So... 
Got to give it to the New York Mets. For once, the bullpen looked decent. The Cincinnati Reds bullpen certainly did its job as they knock off the Milwaukee Brewers by a count of 5-4 to four in 11 innings. For the Cincinnati Reds, it was Eugenio Suarez continuing his power terror. His third home run in the last two days and his 20th of the campaign that came off of Jason Anderson in the first inning and then Yasiel Puig is able to go deep as well. His 18th of the year, that comes off of Freddie Peralta, Santa Rorick. Not a great start, not an awful start. He certainly gave them some length, six and two-thirds innings. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned. The problem was he got taken deep three times. Mike Boussakis, his 24th home run of the year. Eric Thames, his 13th of the campaign. And Christian Yelich, he continues to mash his 31st. But then you had Michael Lorenzo, Jared Hughes, Amir Garrett, and Rossiel Iglesias provide a combined four and a third innings without even giving up a hit. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, their bullpen couldn't match that. Chase Anderson, a solid start in this one. Five and two-thirds innings, he gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Freddie Peralta gives up an out while going one and a third innings. Matt Albers gives up a run himself. And then Corbin Burns was the man that gave this one up, though, in his defense. The run that he gave up was unearned, as Christian Yelich, of all guys, makes his third error of the year. The Brewers' bullpen still having a couple issues. No issues for the pitching between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves, but the Braves had a power outage as the Philadelphia Phillies get a 2-0 win, and for the Phillies, Aaron Nola looks like Aaron Nola in this one. Eight innings pitch, does not give up a single run, eight punchouts, and then Hector Neris was able to close the door by getting three strikeouts in the ninth inning. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, they went just 1-5 of with men in scoring position, but it was enough in this one. As for the Atlanta Braves, Dallas Keuchel couldn't have done a whole lot more. Seven innings pitch, he gives up two runs, both of which were earned. And then you had Chad Zabaka, Jerry Blevins, and Josh Shomlin all be able to provide two innings of relief. But for the Atlanta Braves, 0-6 with men in scoring position, four total hits. Just not going to get the job done there for an Atlanta Braves team that had the most runs per game in the month of June. Perhaps are cooling down a little bit. A team that was not cold on this night, and a team that was playing with a whole bunch of emotion, the LA Angels. They knock off the Texas Rangers by kind of 9-4. to This was just a highly emotional game for the LA Angels, as Jose Suarez winds up giving up three runs in the first three innings of the game. He goes four total. Two of those runs were earned, and he did give up a home run, being able to get that dinger for the Texas Rangers to Lionel DeShields Jr., his second. But how about an LA Angels bullpen that honestly had not been very good? They go combined five innings, giving up one run. Trevor Cahill gave up that run two innings of relief, but for the LA Angels, they were able to get things going late, and Cole Calhoun's 18th home run of the year in the 8th inning was the difference, and we keep saying, regression's coming for Mike Miner and everything like that, perhaps tonight was the night. Four and a third innings, he gives up three runs, four walks, 110 pitches, he had an elevated pitch count, and then from there, you really had to dig into that Rangers bullpen, and it just did not hold up. Peter Fairbanks does not record a single out. He gives up three runs, all of which were earned. Jose LeClerc winds up giving up a run in two-thirds of an inning. Jesse Biddle, one and a third innings. He gives up two runs, and it became so bad that Luke St. John wound up having to get the final outs of the game for the Texas Rangers, but very good on the LA Angels for being able to get that win. Things continue to be crazy at Coors Field as the Colorado Rockies wind up losing to the Houston Astros by kind of 9-8. to eight. The Colorado Rockies wind up blowing a three-run lead in this one. I believe it is the fourth time in their last 16 games that they've given up a three-plus run lead. It is absolutely insane. They're just not holding on to anything to save their lives. But for the Houston Astros, they were able to do a good job of getting Yuri Gurriel going. 
He hits his ninth and 10th home runs of the year. It was a first career start for Jose Uriquiti, who wasn't awful, wasn't great. Three and two-thirds innings, he gives up two runs, both of which were earned. The bullpen was certainly bad for the Houston Astros in the outset. Josh James records four outs, but he gives up five runs, four of which were earned. He also had Will Harris giving up a run in an inning of relief. But then from there, Chris Javinsky, Robert Ozuna, and Ryan Presley all provide an inning of relief. And for the Colorado Rockies, their bullpen just could not hold up in this one. Herman Marquez, not a great start, but not an awful start. Six innings pitch, he gives up five runs, four of which were earned. And then Brian Shaw does not record a single out. He gives up three runs. Jake McGee winds up giving up one of those home runs to Yuri Gurriel as well. And that proved to be the difference as Scott Oberg's two scoreless innings were not able to be enough. And for the Colorado Rockies, even though they get 14 hits in this one, they just wind up not getting that big hit. And they went 4 of 16 with men in scoring position. The Cleveland Indians, after a woeful series against the Baltimore Orioles, certainly had their bats online. They knock off the Kansas City Royals by a count of 9 to 5. Trevor Bauer, uh, he's been up and down so far this year. And this was a little bit of a down. He does go 6 innings. But he does give up five runs in the process, all of which were earned, including getting taken deep twice by the Kansas City Royals. Jorge Solaris, 23rd home run of the year, and Adelberto Mondesi, fresh off the injured list, is seventh. But the good news for him is that the Cleveland Indians were able to jump all over Jacob Junis. Junis, in four and two-thirds innings, gives up seven runs, six of which were earned. Jake Diekman gives up a run in an inning of relief, and Jorge Lopez gives up a run in an inning of relief as well. As for the Cleveland Indians, they pound out 13 hits. They did a very good job of hitting with Bennett's scoring position, 5 of 19 in that regard, and they just played a lot of small ball, not being able to hit any home runs, but it was able to get the job done. Another team that was able to get the job done, how about the San Francisco Giants, and their bats are now very hot. They've scored six-plus runs in four of their last five games, and they take down the San Diego Padres by a count of 10 to 4. And for the Padres, it was just one of those things where Matt Stram is not online. I had a Twitter follower send this in to me. Matt Stram, the first pitcher in big league history to give up two or more home runs in seven consecutive starts. Four of those were at Petco, by the way. As he goes five innings in this one, giving up seven runs, all of which were earned, and he gave up three home runs. He's got to be a guy on your fade list. You had Robbie Erlin be able to provide two innings of strong relief, but in two innings of relief for Robert Stock, he gives up three runs himself. His ERA is now a 10-13. The lone bright spots for the San Diego Padres were their two home runs. Famiel Reyes, his 22nd home run of the year, that was off of Tyler Beatty. And then Will Myers hits his 12th of the year off of Reyes Maranta. But past that, everything went well for the San Francisco Giants as Beatty winds up giving up just that lone solo home run in seven innings. You had Reyes Maranta give up two runs in an inning of relief. And then Derek Holland gave up a run in his inning of relief as well. But for the Giants, Evan Longoria turned back the clock in this one. His ninth and 10th home runs of the year. Donovan Solano, his first. And the San Francisco Giants pound out 17 Hit. So clearly a very good display of offense there. A good display of offense for the Seattle Mariners as they take down the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 5-4. to four. For the Seattle Mariners, Matt Carasetti wound up giving up a run as the opener. Wade LeBlanc goes four and two-thirds innings. He gives up one run, a solo home run as well. And Anthony Bass gives up two runs in an inning of relief as well. But Austin Adams and Rayonis Ellis are able to provide the final seven outs of the game to be able to get the Mariners a victory, though a encouraging sign for the St. Louis Cardinals was Jose Martinez going deep twice, his sixth and seventh home runs of the year, and then 
the first home run of the year for a gentleman that has actually been stepping up for this team, Yario Munez. He is hitting above 300 for them, his first home run of the year. But for the St. Louis Cardinals, Jack Flaherty just continues to get banged around like a pinata. Four and two-thirds innings, he gives up four runs, of which were earned, including a home run. And then Giovanni Gallegos in the eighth inning gives up the difference-making home run. Being able to hit that home run in the eighth inning, Tim Beckham, a man that's been struggling for the Seattle Mariners quite a bit, his 13th home run of the year. And then Omar Navarez earlier in the game hits his 12th home run of the year. This total actually wound up being a push for the Seattle Mariners, but they have played just one over in their last six games. So certainly things appear to be cooling down a little bit for that team. Things appear to be cooling down a little bit for the Minnesota Twins as well. They take on the Oakland A's and they were not able to be victorious as the A's wind up getting an 8-6 win for the Minnesota Twins. They certainly did have the power going as Jason Castro provides his ninth and 10th home runs of the year and Miguel Sano is 13th as Sano is now hitting a home run every 10 at-bats. But Jake Odorizzi, man that had been very good for the Minnesota Twins all year long, appears to have some regression coming in. He was a little bit cold towards the end of June and in this one he goes only three innings giving up six runs, five of which were earned. You have to give it to... Adalberto Mejia, he winds up going three and a third innings. He only gives up one run in the process, but then you have Matt McGill giving up a solo home run while recording two outs himself. As for the Oakland A's, their power appears to be really on. As Mark Hanna hits his 12th home run of the year, you had Matt Olson providing his 17th dinger of the campaign, and then their new catcher, Chris Herman, winds up providing his first home run of the year. That was a little bit unexpected as Daniel Megden was able to give the Oakland A's some length. Wasn't necessarily the best start, but in five and two-thirds innings, he gives up five runs, all of which were earned. Yasmero Petit gives up a run in relief, and then you had Joaquin Sori and Liam Hendricks being able to close the door from there. And speaking of teams that were not able to close the door, as this just happens, you're going to get my unfiltered reaction. The L.A. Dodgers, with a walk-off walk, take down the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of 5-4. to four. This game was 4-3, to three, bottom of the ninth, two outs, nobody on. The Arizona Diamondbacks issue not one, not two, not three, not four, but five straight walks to lose this game. Fade the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen until further notice. All these guys that pitched in the ninth inning deserve to be sent down to coach pitch. I mean, seriously. This is the worst collapse of the year. For the LA Dodgers, they wound up having Ross Stripling start in this game. Ross Stripling... And four and two-thirds innings, he gives up four runs, all of which were earned. That was not good. And then the L.A. Dodgers bullpen, which they themselves not been very good so far this year. Four and a third innings, they give up just one hit. you got to give it to them in this one. They were terrific. And for the L.A. Dodgers, they did get a home run out of Kike Hernandez of 14th of the year. That was off of Taylor Clark. And Taylor Clark, not necessarily a great start for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's not giving them length. Three and two-thirds innings, gives up three runs, all of which were earned. Got to be fading Taylor Clark when he's on the mound for the Diamondbacks because it means you're going to see a lot of the bullpen. And a lot of the bullpen arms for the Arizona Diamondbacks were actually good in this one. Alex Young, two and a third innings. He doesn't give up a run. Andrew Chafin wound up getting it out. And then you also had Juan Lopez be able to provide an out. Yoshi Arano provides a solid inning. And then Greg Holland gets the first two outs, but he winds up taking the loss because he walks four straight batters and then TJ McFarlane blows it. You don't know who it's going to be for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but you know it's going to be blown. And for the Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks, they did have a bright spot. Nick Ahmad, his eighth home run of the year, as that is just absolutely debilitating if you had the Arizona Diamondbacks. So let's take a look at what we all learned from Tuesday. 
The Washington Nationals are getting solid starts once again from Patrick Corbin. The Pittsburgh Pirates are starting to play some unders, and the Cubs continue to scuffle on the road, 16-25 and 25 on the year. The Toronto Blue Jays continue to play a lot of overs. Their offense is going, but so is that of the Boston Red Sox. The Baltimore Orioles bullpen continues to be the Baltimore Orioles bullpen, and the Tampa Bay Rays continue to win games by two-plus runs. James Baxson looks to be back online for the New York Yankees, but they had a little bit of a bullpen implosion. The Cincinnati Reds bullpen is back to being nails. It appears as though Aaron Nola has found his form once again after being the best overpitcher in the big leagues. He has now pitched three straight games that have either went under or have been at least a push on the total. That Mets game in which they had Edwin Diaz give up five runs in the ninth inning being the exception. The LA Angels won with the most emotional game that you could possibly think of handicapping. Coors Field continues to provide a bevy of overs. Trevor Bauer continues to be inconsistent, but the Kansas City Royals continue to give up a whole bunch of runs. The Minnesota Twins are playing some slugfest right now, and the Oakland A's have now won 18 out of the, have now won 13 out of the last 17 games. They are white hot. Fade the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. The San Francisco Giants offense has gotten hot, and the Seattle Mariners are starting to play some games a little bit lower scoring, but the St. Louis Cardinals certainly have not been finding it with the bats themselves. So that was Tuesday. Now let's take a look at Wednesday. Hunter Engelhart of Sports Memo, former MLB pitcher who used to play at the D1 level and a little bit of independent baseball. He's going to be joining me next to give a little bit of a player's perspective and break down these games right here on MLB Overtime Day. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. We are back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. Something we haven't gotten a lot of on this podcast so far this year is a perspective from a guy that has actually pitched a higher level of baseball. My playing career ended at the age of 14 due to a lack of talent. This gentleman's career went a little bit longer. You can follow him on Twitter at the Engelhart. That is T-H-E-E-N-G-L-E-H-A-R-T. Exactly how it sounds. Hunter Engelhart is my guest. He is now a handicapper with Sports Memo. He's a gentleman that used to play a little bit of Division One college baseball and out there in independent baseball as well. Now he's getting into the betting realm. And Hunter, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing good. How are you, Greg? Uh, thanks again for having me. Oh, thank you for being on. And I know that you're a gentleman that, like I said, you used to play a little bit of baseball. I know that you unfortunately had injuries, cut your career short. When the season changes from a player's perspective, because you start your season typically in like late March, early April, how do things change from that time of the year to now in late June, early July, when the heat is really going? Because Typically, you find that with the humidity, the ball is flying out of the ballpark a little bit more. Right. That is a factor, like you said. But I think most important factor is the hitters have had, you know, two, three months of live at-bats. And like right now, we're seeing a lot of overs hitting. We're seeing a lot of some pitchers who started off real dominant aren't so dominant anymore. And, And a big reason because of that is, you know, these hitters are finally warmed up. You know what I mean? It's not, you know, late March. April, early May, where they're still trying to get out of that spring training funk. They got their majority of their at-bats in, and really it's a matter of the hitters, you know, are catching up to the pitchers that start dominant in the beginning of the year. Oh, absolutely. I'm right there with you, and it has been very interesting to see the totals this year because we noticed towards the beginning of the year you saw more traditional totals. 
Now they're creeping up to 10, 11. I still remember on Sunday out there in that game in England, the Red Sox versus Yankees game approached 16 and a half. The Dodgers versus Rockies game on that same day was 13 and a half. Both of those just flew over. Why do you think the totals have gone just so sky high this year compared to in the past? Because I'm hearing juice ball theory and everything like that, and I'm starting to think that there's something to it. Obviously, there could be something in the baseball, the juice ball theory, but also we're in this stat cast era now. So these teams have scouting reports that are more advanced on pitchers than ever in the past. So, I mean, what they could do is they can zero it down to what does this pitcher like to throw when he's behind an account in the bottom half of the order? You know what I mean? They they have these numbers down to exactly what's going to happen. And I think that these hitters, on top of them being warmed up and ready four months into the season, they have the exact advantage of knowing you know what these pitchers' tendencies are. To be honest with you, I think just these hitters are just getting that much better. I do think that the game is certainly changing as we do have – Hunter Engelhart joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And things have certainly been changing is the way that bullpens have been failing day in and day out. And the worst bullpen out there in the big leagues with regards to ERA is Washington Nationals. They're going to be playing hosts on Wednesday to the Miami Marlins. Sandy Alcantara is going to be going for the Marlins, who, oh, by the way, over their last 40 games actually have a winning record. And then with the Washington Nationals, you've got Steven Strasburg, a gentleman, with a 9-4 record. But we certainly... Saw him have his hiccups in June. How do you look at this game? Because I do think that Steven Strasburg probably gives a little bit of a better start than Sandy Alcantara, but I like what I've seen out of him, and I just referenced it. Washington Nationals' bullpen has been very untrustworthy. Well, you know, the Marlins' bullpen isn't much better either, Greg. But no, um, it is what, what I see in this game is, I mean, honestly, you know, Strasburg, righties are hitting two fifty six against them. Miami's got a pretty right-handed heavy lineup. But there's one thing that really worries me with Strasburg is when runners aren't on base, batters are hitting 198 against them. Once they get on base, they're hitting 274. And when they're in scoring position, they're hitting 278. He's not good at all once guys get on base. And he faced the Marlins twice already this year. His first start, he dominated him. He had eight inning pitch, two hits, 11 Ks. But his last start, which actually was against the Marlins, he pitched seven innings, gave up seven hits, four earned runs, and only four Ks. The big thing that stuck out to me there was he gave up those four runs on zero home runs. So that's all, you know, just standard baseball in the ballpark. And the two major things, what I saw in those games was that first game where he dominated them, he held them to 10 ground balls and four fly balls. But last game, there was only 11 ground balls and 13 fly balls. So this tells me either, you know, Miami was trying to lay off slow pitches or he was just elevating his fastball and his off-speed stuff. But Alcantara isn't much better on the other side. He's actually better on the road with a 3.66 ERA, but you know he's like Strasburg. He gets worse when runners get on. And another key stat is when he's pitching and it's a 0-0 count, batters are hitting 340 against him. When he does his job and he gets strike one, the most important pitch in baseball, that batting average against jumps up to 357. If he throws his first pitch, first strike like he's supposed to, Hitters actually are hitting worse against him when he's ahead than than he is when he's behind, which is an amazing stat. That is absolutely amazing. And how much do you look at ground ball rate when you try to evaluate some of these pitchers? Because I know that the best pitcher in regards to ground ball rate so far this year has been Dakota Hudson of the St. Louis Cardinals. He's been pretty solid. Herman Marquez has been doing a good job as well. But we do notice that some of these pitchers that don't necessarily have the best ground ball rate, guys like... 
Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, they certainly have been having their success this year as well. Right. Well, you know, this goes back to your theory and some people's theory and me too, obviously, about these juice baseballs and launch angle that people are talking about. The more chance that these balls get in the air, you know, the bigger chance it is for them to score runs. So I think when these pitchers go hard, you know, when they want to go high, throwing fastballs, they got to really get it up there. I mean, they can't aim for belt to letters and try to blow it by them. It's got to be unhittable high. And when they're leaving off speed high, they're getting punished for it. We do have Hunter Engelhart joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And then another situation that I think is very unique because you play a lot of organized baseball for so long is what's going on with the LA Angels. Obviously, the unfortunate passing of Tyler Skaggs. They're going to be taking on the Texas Rangers on Wednesday. Still a little bit muddled as to what's all going to be happening with this series. But how do you just look at a situation like this where you got to feel like emotion is going to be playing more of a role than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I hear you there. Unless you have seen something I have, and I know they really haven't came out with details. I mean, it's just, I, you know, I can't even imagine what that, because, I mean, those are your brothers, you know what I mean? These guys spend more time with their teammates than they do their wives. They spend more time with their teammates than their kids. I mean, you know what I mean? It's a whole family that's around that. So, honestly, I really don't know how the Angels are going to react or how it's going to be. or I, I can't even begin to try to say how, how if it'll improve play, if it won't, or wh- how it's going to affect everything. I really couldn't tell you. I can't blame you there. It certainly is a unique situation and a very unfortunate one, but a situation that is a little bit better is the fact that we've got the Colorado Rockies and the Houston Astros going at it on Wednesday. I just mentioned that the runs in baseball in general are going sky high and It's affected Coors Field more than anything else. Going into this week, the Colorado Rockies actually had the fourth best ERA in the big leagues away from home, worst ERA at home. In regards to runs per game scored, they have more than a full run per game, more at home than any other team out there in the big leagues. And then when they hit the road, they're 21st in the league in regards to runs per game. Looks like it's going to be Wade Miley going for the Houston Astros and Peter Lambert for the Colorado Rockies. How are you handicapping Coors at this point? Because in a year in which scoring is up, it just feels like Coors Field scoring has been disproportionate to everyone else's because in the last two years, Coors Field was actually an under ballpark. Right. Like I said, I mean, especially we have two pitchers that I think very well just play to the over in this game. I know Miley has a 1.6 ERA at home, but his away is almost five. It's 4.94 away and actually been dominating against lefties 185 batting average against but righties are hitting 240 off them which is average i guess you could say for splits around the league but lambert has been just getting destroyed i mean granted he's been pitching against pretty good lineups you know dodgers cubs and a hot padres team when he faced them about a week or two ago i like the astros in this game especially that they got some of their starters back and they're healthy but I only like the Astros simply because of, I think, Miley's better than Lambert in this situation. I do agree with you there. I think that we have a clear pitching ma- match in the city of Oakland on Wednesday as well. Tanner Anderson going to be taking the bump for the Oakland A's. Meanwhile, Kyle Gibson goes for the Minnesota Twins. Gibson, a 4.21 ERA, but an 8-4 record. He's been doing a decent job of keeping the ball in the yard, about 1.25 home runs for nine innings. Tanner Anderson... A gentleman that when he was with the Las Vegas Aviators earlier this year had an ERA above six. He has been getting banged around in his last couple starts. This is a spot where I know the Oakland A's entered into the series having won 12 of their last 16 games. But for me, this is looking almost like a run line play for the Minnesota Twins because I think that the 
pitching mismatch is just so big. Yeah, I mean, a pitching mismatch, I think, would be an understatement here. I see this line probably being minus 200 for the Twins in this game. I mean, this Twins lineup obviously ranked number one on the road in runs and OPS and fifth in runs against right-handed pitching and third in OPS runs against right-handed pitching. And, I mean, Anderson just, I mean, I know L.A.'s lineup is hit or miss, but he just looked like he was way, way overmatched against L.A. I can only imagine how he's going to look against this Twins lineup that just, is hitting the ball like no team I've ever seen. I'm right there with you. And we do actually have a little bit of a unique situation on Wednesday as well with the doubleheader. It's going to be the Chicago White Sox and the Detroit Tigers playing two in this one with the Detroit Tigers. They're going through all sorts of pitching issues. Spencer Turnbull leaves the game after two innings a few days ago. They've had to call up guys like Gregory Soto and Ryan Carpenter for starts. It looks like Daniel Norris is going to be starting one of these games. The other game is to be determined, and with the Chicago White Sox outside of Lucas Giolito, you just have nothing in regards to their starting pitching as well. Do you think that this could be a spot where you just look at the over in both these games because you just don't have a lot of pitching for either team? It looks like Ross Detweiler is going to be starting a game for the White Sox, and then they're going to have to call someone up for AAA for the other game as well. I'm just seeing a game in which I know that the Detroit Tigers are not scoring a lot of runs, but I'm just seeing in general. A lot of runs in both these games. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm sure you would agree with me here is I'd take the White Sox lineup over the Detroit Tigers lineup Absolutely. any day. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, really, if you're looking at both starting pitchers that are going to be equally question marked, I mean, I wouldn't pay any more than minus 130 for White Sox when they are favored here, which they should be. But like I said, I mean, I'm just from the stance of I like the White Sox lineup better than the Detroit lineup. It's either going to be, you know, White Sox run line probably or over or pass for me. Absolutely. We do have Hunter Engelhart joining me right here on the podcast. And something else I'm seeing develop from this season in general is that the home and road splits for a couple teams are very interesting. The Texas Rangers have been very good at home so far this year. They enter into their series against the Angels 28 and 15 at home. The Chicago Cubs are winning right around 63 to 64% of their games at Wrigley Field, but they're below 500 on the road. And with the LA Dodgers, they're right around a 54 to 55% win percentage team on the road. But at home, they enter into their series against the Arizona Diamondbacks 34 and nine. Is this something that you certainly take a look at in regards to your handicapping? Because I feel like home field advantage up until this year had been getting less and less and less, but it feels like for some of these teams, it is paramount. And like you said, I definitely look into home and away because it's, as a player, a huge difference. You know, you're sleeping in your own bed. You're eating your favorite food that you like to eat before a game that's in your hometown. Everything is normal to these people. And they play more games at home than they do in Arizona or in Pittsburgh or in Chicago. So it's more of a fluent day-to-day thing. But that's not the same for the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks seem to play better when they stay in hotels and do all that other stuff. So it'll be interesting. I would not play any unders in these games unless Bueller's pitching, maybe, which he is on Wednesday, I believe. Honestly, I think it's going to be a lot of overs in this series. But I do see the Dodgers being a better team. I would assume the Dodgers would at least take this series. Absolutely. And Hunter, I would like to close it up with this. I know that you're doing tremendous work out there for Sports Memo. You used to be playing some independent baseball and some D1 baseball yourself. Let the good people know where they can find you on social media and elsewhere and what you're all working on. You can find me over at Twitter at the Engelhart, T-H-E-E-N-G-L-E-H-A-R-T. And I'm over at sportsmemo.com. 
Check us out over there. We got tons of guys who are just as hot as I am. I just wanted to say, Greg, thanks for having me on, and I hope we could do this again sometime. Absolutely. A big thanks to Hunter Engelhart for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board in a little something I like to call Touch Em All. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's Gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And a big thanks to Hunter Engelhart of Sports Memo for joining me in the last segment as we're back here in the Izuni Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board, and we do so in something called Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. As always, we've got to throw out there the disclaimer that some of these plays are all locked in. Good to go. Bet on everything like that. Other of these plays, we're in a little bit of wait and see mode. We're waiting on some line moves, lineup changes, all that good jazz. All of that will be noted on my Twitter feed at squirty one as to the set numbers that I get. And as per usual, we're going in Las Vegas rotation order. And it starts with 951-952 on the bang rotation. The Washington Nationals play off the Miami Marlins. Sandy Ocantara is going to be going for the fish. Meanwhile, you've got Steven Strasburg on the mound for the Washington Nationals. Total on this game is 9. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105 if you're looking at the fish. Plus price between plus 220 and plus 235 if you want to lay it with the Nationals. That's anywhere between minus 260 and minus 270. We were talking about it with Hunter in the last segment. There's just no justifying laying this price with the Washington Nationals. I know that Steven Strasburg, first time he faced off against the Marlins, he had a pretty good run of it. But Sandy Alcantara, actually a pretty similar pitcher to Steven Strasburg. I will say Sandy Alcantara certainly does have a little bit more of a walks issue than Steven Strasburg. But with that said, Strasburg just recently has been very effective. 9-4 record, 388 ERA, but Sandy Alcantara's ERA, a 386. Alcantara doesn't get as many strikeouts, 65 and 95 in, a th- in two-thirds innings, but Steven Strasburg, even though he is getting 125 strikeouts in 104 innings, just has looked very leaky in the month of June. This can really be reverted back to everything ever since his start against the Chicago White Sox, in which he gave up four runs in the first inning. He wound up giving up five and five, and for that matter, in the month of June, he gave up at least three runs in all but one of his starts. Now, to his credit, he won at least five innings in every one of them, but even in those starts, he never had more than six strikeouts in any one of them, so he's certainly lacking there, and he's given up 13 home runs in 109 innings. Good news for him is that the Miami Marlins don't necessarily have a bunch of mashers, but the Miami Marlins, actually a better road team than home team. They are 15-29 and 29 at home, 17-21 and 21 on the road, and for the Miami Marlins, you've got Brett Anderson doing a good job for this team, entering into Tuesday. 11 home runs, a 255 average. He's driven in over 30 runs. You've got to like what Jorge Alfaro is doing as well. He has certainly been in and out of the lineup, but he has supplied a double-digit amount of home runs. He's hitting nearly a 260. Neil Walker's back in the fold. He's hitting a 277. 
Harold Ramirez and Garrett Cooper are both hitting above a 300 as well. Miguel Rojas is hitting a 289. And then you got Cesar Puello hitting a 300 as well in a limited amount of at-bats. So things are certainly ramping up for that lineup. You've gotten the guys like Curtis Granderson, Austin Dean, Rossell Rayer and company that are batting below 200 out of the fold. Meanwhile, with the Washington Nationals, you do have to like their bats as well. Adam Eaton and Trey Turner at the top lineup, both hitting at 278, both have nice speed. Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto are both getting on base at about a 400. And for Anthony Rendon, the power has certainly been there. 310 average. He has went deep 19 times ago with 58 RBI. Howie Kendrick as well has had a very underrated season. 325 average, 12 home runs, 45 RBI. You do have guys like Jan Gomes and Ryan Zimmerman that need to pick it up with their average. And we also know this. The Washington Nationals bullpen, worse in regards to ERA in the big leagues. I know the Miami Marlins don't have a lot to write home about, but I do like what I've seen out of guys like Adam Conley, Austin Bryce, and to a lesser extent, one Submergio Romo. So for that reason, we're going to be taking the plus price here with the Marlins and the under. would like to see if this total gets down a little bit further. would like to lay a little bit less juice. And I think it's no secret that there's not going to be too many public betters backing the Miami Marlins. So in Wayne C mode there to see if I can get a little bit of a better number. We move on to 953 and 954 on the bang rotation. The Chicago Cubs are on the road facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. You Darvish goes for the Chicago Cubs for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Good old to be determined, which means that this game is presently off the board. And with good old to be determined, it looks like it's going to be Chris Archer. Now, that is according to ESPN. And if this is the case, just look at the over in this spot. If it's 10, look at it. Chris Archer has been pitching a little bit better, but for the year, 3 and 6 record, 5.50 ERA. He's given up 18 home runs in 73 and 2 thirds innings. He has been doing a little bit better in his recent starts. I will give him that. In his last start against the Milwaukee Brewers, only went four innings, but he gave up two runs. He also gave up one run in five innings against the San Diego Padres, but the two starts previous to that, 11 total innings, 11 11 earned runs given up. This is just a guy that you can't trust in. And for Mr. Darvish, 19 and a third innings, he's given up 18 home runs, and he's got a 498 ERA. He's looked a little bit better in some of his recent starts as well, but you take a look at the last two against the Mets and the Atlanta Braves that combined nine earned runs in 11 innings of work. Looked like things were improving a little bit towards the beginning of June, but this is still a guy with 49 walks in 90 and a third innings. That's right around five walks per nine innings. That's absolutely atrocious. And you've got two lineups that are doing a great job. Pittsburgh Pirates, second best team with regards to the over out there in the big leagues. And Josh Bell had a three home run game to be able to lead off this series. 308 average, 25 home runs, 77 RBI. This man has been terrific. And who else has been terrific? Brian Reynolds, who's hitting above a 350. You've also got Melky Cabrera, Jose Ozuna, and Kevin Newman. All these guys are hitting above a 310. And you could throw Corey Dickerson in there as well. Colin Moran has picked up his average. He's hitting a 286. Jacob Stallings, whenever he's in the lineup, he's hitting a 350. Sterling Marte has over 12 stolen bases. He's hitting nearly a 275 to go with his 12 home runs. And then Adam Frazier at the top of the lineup doing a good job with his 270 average. You take a look at the Chicago Cubs. You do have a lot of guys that are hitting right in that 285 to 290 range. Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, all in that neighborhood. Wilson Contreras has went deep 20 times for the team. Javi Baez, 20, and then Chris Bryant has supplied 16 home runs. Though the batting average is just at a 234, Kyle Schwarber is drawing his walks. So he's pounded out 18 home runs, and then you got to like what Anthony Rizzo is doing. He's hitting just below 270, but 19 home runs for himself. Jason Award is hitting a 270. Then you've got a lot of guys hitting between a 245 and a 255. Edison Russell, Albert Armora Jr., 
David Bodie, all in that neighborhood. And then whatever Victor Carantini is out there for the Cubs, he's doing a good job. But we are noticing that the Cubs bullpen has been a little bit leaky. And the Pittsburgh Pirates, though they have some bad long relievers, guys like Felipe Vasquez and Kyle Crick are actually trustworthy. So with the Chicago Cubs entering into Tuesday's action, 16-24 and 24 on the road, this is a spot where I do look at the Pittsburgh Pirates and the over. But as always, Jeff back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSGordy1 for set plays there. We move on to 955, 956 on the bank rotation. You've got the Milwaukee Brewers on the road facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. Sonny Gray goes for the Reds. Ulysse Justin for the Milwaukee Brewers. Your total on this game is 10.5. The over and under both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Brewers plus price between plus 125 and plus 126. If you want to lay it with the Reds, that's anywhere between minus 135 and minus 136. And this is a spot where I do look at the Reds just because Ulysse Justin has been highly inconsistent so far this year. And he's not giving the team a lot of innings. With Sonny Gray, he hasn't been great. 4-5 record, 394 ERA. But he also hasn't been taken deep too much. 82 and a third innings. He's given up nine long balls. And you actually know what you're going to get out of him. He just seems to go six innings to give up three runs in nearly every start. You take a look at the month of June. In two of his starts, he gave up three runs. Two of his starts, he gave up two runs. One of his starts, he gave up four runs. And he went between five innings and six and a third innings in all but one of them. So he is actually the modicum of consistency. Meanwhile, with Mr. Chassin, he is consistently giving up long balls. 72 and a third innings. He's given up 15 home runs. Three and eight record. 5-6 ERA. Looked better in his last start against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Gave up one run in five innings. But the two starts before that, including his start against the Reds, in that start, he went four and two-thirds innings. He gave up five runs. Start before that against the Padres. Four and two-thirds innings. Gave up two runs. Ever since coming off the injured list, he certainly has not looked sharp. And with the Milwaukee Brewers, we do know that they've got some bats. And it's all led by Christian Yelich. Going into Tuesday's action, 3-30 average. 30 home runs. One of the top base stealers out there in the league. He's been absolutely tremendous. And another man that has been absolutely tremendous, Mike Busakis, 273 average. He has went deep 23 times. He has Monty Grandel hitting 262, 18 home runs for him. Eric Thames and Ryan Braun both picking it up with bat. Both these guys hitting 272 with a double-digit amount of home runs. Kesson here is getting on base with a 278 average. Lorenzo Kane provides some speed, and he's hitting right around 250. Orlando Arcia has seen a dip in his average right around at 237. And for the Cincinnati Reds, you don't necessarily have a great average, but Eugenio Suarez already three home runs in the series, 20 for the year. He's hitting at 257. Joey Votto and Nick Senzel both hitting at 267. Scooter Jeanette has struggled since coming off the injured list, but Yasiel Puig has his average back around to 240. He's went deep 17 times. Derek Diedrich certainly having his woes. He's hitting right around to 220 along with Jose Peraza and Tucker Barnard. These guys are letting the team down, but Philip Irvin has seen his average rise to a 280. Jose Iglesias hitting just below a 290 and Kyle Farmer nearly a 242 with the Cincinnati Reds. Their bullpen seems to be failing them a little bit. They've got one of the better bullpen ERAs out there in the big leagues. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, we actually saw Josh Hader not look as sharp on Monday. And then you've also got guys like Alex Claudio, Corbin Burns, the company that are not doing a great job out there in the bullpen. So for that reason, siding with the Cincinnati Reds and their starting pitcher, and we're going to be taking this total under. I think that Chassin is going to give up some runs, but I do think that he's going to be able to be backed up by someone like Freddie Peralta that can give a couple bridge innings. And I think that Sonny Gray is going to be able to keep the Brewers under four runs. So going to be going under and Reds have already locked in the Reds for the under currently in wait and see mode. 957, 958 on the betting rotation. You've got the Atlanta Braves. 
and they're going to be playing host to the Philadelphia Phillies. Nick Pavetta takes a bump for the Phillies. Bryce Wilson goes for the Atlanta Braves. Your total on this game is 10.5. The over is just a minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're looking at the Atlanta Braves, going to be laying it here. That's anywhere between minus 136 and minus 145. Your plus price on the Phillies, anywhere between plus 126 and plus 130. Nick Pavetta has really been an up and down pitcher so far this year. 4 and 2 record, but a 563 ERA, a 152 whip, and 56 innings. He's given up 14 home runs. That is right around one home run every four or so innings. So obviously that is not our that is not ideal, but he had a couple gems in June. He wound up going six innings without giving up a run against the Dodgers, a complete game against Cincinnati. But then you take a look at his last three starts. Four runs, six runs, four runs given up. He went between five and a third and six and two-thirds innings in all three of those starts. Meanwhile, Bryce Wilson, needless to say, his first start of the year against the Chicago Cubs did not go as planned. He wound up going four and a third innings. He gave up four runs, and the Atlanta Braves wound up blowing a 6-1 to lead in that game. And this is just a gentleman that I don't feel like is ready for the big time. He was okay at the AAA level, but it wasn't anything great. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, the bats certainly have been struggling, but you still do have some firepower. Reese Hoskins is hitting at 261, 19 home runs, 55 RBI. Cesar Hernandez, a 285 going into Tuesday's action. Bryce Harper leading the league in strikeouts, but he still has an average that's hovering right around to 250 to go along with his 15 home runs. And then for the Phillies, you're really having Mikel Franco. Not providing a lot for this team. He's hitting right around at 220. You've got Jay Bruce hitting at 231 for the year, but he's been a little bit better ever since being with the Phillies. 21 total home runs for him. You've also got JG Ryamuto hitting at 261. Gene Segura has seen his average up to a 271. And then with Scott Kingery, he really has done a good job of setting the table with a 316, but they still do miss Andrew McCutcheon in the lineup. And for the Atlanta Braves, you certainly do have the firepower. Austin Riley, Nick Markakis, and Dansby Swanson all hitting between a 272 and a 275. And in the case of Austin Riley, 14 home runs in a little bit over a month. Ronald Acuna Jr. at the top of the lineup has been sensational. 294 average, 20 home runs. And then you've got Ozzie Albies, who's done a great job himself. 281 average, double-digit amount of home runs. He's been very effective. Brian McCann and Trey Flowers, both hitting between a 255 and a 270 at the catcher spot. Both combined for great numbers. And then it's all capped off by Freddie Freeman. 311 average, 22 home runs, 65 RBI. I do have a little bit more faith in the spot in the Atlanta Braves bullpen with guys like Luke Jackson, Josh Chalman and company. But we certainly have seen guys like Tuki Toussaint have their woes. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, I just think that they're going to get a better start out of Nick Pavetta. He's proven it a little bit more. And with Bryce Wilson, I just think he's going to get shelled in this start and he's not going to really give his team a shot. So for that reason, we're going to be going with the Philadelphia Phillies and the over in this spot. With the over, I'd like to lay a little bit less juicier since I noticed that it is a little bit shaded to the over. And with the Philadelphia Phillies, I think that the steam is coming in a little bit on the Atlanta Braves as well. So for that reason, in wait and see mode on both of those, but we're certainly going to be on both of them. As we move on to 959-960 on the bank rotation, the San Francisco Giants are in San Diego to take on the Padres. Cal Quantrill goes for the pods. Meanwhile, Sean Anderson on the bump for the Giants. Drawing this game's 8.5 over and under, both at minus 110. If you're looking to take the Giants, Giants, plus price of anywhere between plus 127 and plus 130. Meanwhile, if you want to lay it with the pods, that's anywhere between minus 137 and minus 145. Really hard to have much faith in Cal Quantrill. This is a gentleman that has spent the most recent part of the season as a reliever. He was a starter a little bit earlier, but he certainly has been shifting roles. And with Sean Anderson, he's actually been pretty solid for the San Francisco Giants. 3-2 record, 386 ERA. 
Not going to blow you away. 51 and a third innings. He's only got 29 strikeouts, but he's also only given up five home runs. And for the San Diego Padres, it's just been a rough go of it for Cal Quantrill. In 10 total appearances, which include six starts, he's 2-2 two two with a 4.66 ERA. So it's a little bit unique there, but if you take a look at his splits between being a starter and being a reliever, they are a little bit different as, as a starter. 5.23 ERA, 1-2 record. Meanwhile, as a reliever, in his four appearances, he has a 159 ERA, and I think that the thing that is most befuddling to me is that he has a higher whip as a reliever than he does as a starter, but with that said, he's been just walking a lot more guys as a reliever, and in his defense, he's done a decent job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. 1.2 home runs per nine innings, not necessarily too bad, but he's just not really much of a swing and miss guy, and he just has not delivered a lot of length in general, and with the San Diego Padres, this is a bullpen that you really can't trust in. The relievers like Brad Weak and Matt Whistler and company certainly have not been doing the job. Meanwhile, with the San Francisco Giants, guys like Sam Dyson, Tony Watson, Will Smith have been terrific out there in the bullpen. But I will say for the San Diego Padres, they do have a little bit more in regards to the bats. You have Fran Reyes and Hunter Renfro, both hitting right around a 245 and both have 24 home runs. Eric Osmer hitting just below 300, 13 home runs, 60 RBI going into Tuesday. Now you are dealing with the suspension of Manny Machado. He was not in the fold yesterday, but he has obviously been doing a great job whenever he's been out there in the lineup. He's now hitting a 280 to go with his 20 home runs. But you do have Fernando Tatis Jr. at the top of the lineup. 337 average, 11 home runs, 13 stolen bases. Got a couple guys who are letting the team down with the bat. Ian Kinsler, Francisco Mejia, Josh Naylor, Austin Hedges, all guys are hitting a 221 or lower, but then you do have Greg Garcia who's hitting a 264 as well. Then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. Their offense appears to be improving, but they just do have a bunch of guys that are hitting a 235 or lower. This includes Joe Panic, Evan Longoria, Brandon Belt, Tyler Austin. The list goes on and on. It has not been going well. And in all honesty, Pablo Sandoval is hitting at 280 with 10 home runs. Probably their best hitter at this point, I will say, for Kevin Pillar. He's hitting at 250 with 12 home runs. Buster Posey's hitting at 255 himself, but he's hardly in the lineup. Donovan Solano has given them a little bit of something at the top of the lineup. And then they also are getting something out of Austin Dickerson out there in left field as well. But it just hasn't been a lot of offense. But with that said, I do think that Cal Quantrill certainly is a gentleman that can help out the Giants. And we've noticed the Giants offense getting very hot as of late as three of their last four games going into Tuesday, they had hung at least six runs. And I think that continues. So for that reason, riding with the San Francisco Giants and the over in this spot, I'm going to be in wait and see mode on the over because I think that this total could tick down with the setting being Petco. Park, but have already locked in the San Francisco Giants. We move on to 961-962 on the banging rotation. Arizona Diamondbacks are on the road taking on the LA Dodgers. Walker Beeler goes for the Dodgers. Merrill Kelly for the D-backs. Your total on this game is anywhere between 8 and 8.5. On the 8.5, the under has juice of minus 115. The over is minus 105. Flip it for the 8s. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're looking at the Diamondbacks, well, you're getting a plus price between plus 220 and plus 230. Want to lay with the Dodgers? You're laying minus 260. Walker Buehler has been very good all year long. We saw him crumble a little bit in his last start when he went to Colorado, but the start before that, he was magnificent. Complete game, 16 strikeouts, gave up two runs, 8-1 record, 3.43 ERA. Had a very good month of June. Sands that trip to Coors Field, and he's been giving up right around one home run per nine innings and only 14 walks in 97 innings as well. Meanwhile, Merrill Kelly has been a little bit inconsistent so far this year. He's giving up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. The walks have been a little bit of an issue, and he doesn't have great swing and miss stuff to go with a 7-8 record and a 4 ERA. But in the month of June, 
I will say, Merrill Kelly was actually very good. He had one start in which things didn't necessarily go his way. He gave up five runs against the Colorado Rockies, but in his other five starts, he wound up giving up a grand total of seven runs across them. He went at least seven innings in three of them. The other two, he faced off against the San Francisco Giants. He gave up and combined five runs over the course of 11 innings. Nothing great, nothing awful, but he has actually really come alive with the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. It's not necessarily great with guys like Archie Bradley, Matt Andreessen company giving up a lot of runs, but do you have a lot of faith in guys like Caleb Ferguson, Yimi Garcia and company for the LA Dodgers? I don't think so. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, you do have some great bats out there in the lineup. Eduardo Escobar, two 92 average to go with 18 home runs. Cattell Marte has really kicked it up with the bat as well. 20 home runs. He's hitting nearly a 310. You're noticing that Christian Walker is doing a decent job for this team as well. He's been in and out of the lineup recently, but his average is hovering right around 258. He's got 14 home runs. Adam Jones, 264 average to go with his 13 home runs. Gerard Dyson has 19 stolen bases to go with his 260 average. David Peralta is hitting just below a 290 himself. And then you've also got Jake Lamb now back in the fold. He's been in the lineup a very limited amount of time, so Jerry's still out there. And then you got Nick and Carson Kelly, both hitting between a 255 and a 265. And even when Alex Avila is back there at the catcher spot, he is hitting a 250. And Tim Castro in the outfield hitting a similar average. For the LA Dodgers, you do have a lot of guys that are doing a great job for this team, but Kike Hernandez and Austin Barnes certainly have been eyesores. Both these guys hitting a 215 or lower. I will say that they are getting some great production out of Max Muncy. Now hitting a 280 to go 20 home runs. Edwin Rios and Alex Verdugo are both hitting above a 310 as well, so they have been unexpected producers. Jack Peterson has 20 home runs to go with his 243 average and then we can't go without mentioning that man Cody Bellinger, 346 average, 27 home runs. And you even got guys like Matt Beattie, Will Smith, and Kyle Garlick being able to provide a good average whenever they are in the fold as well. But in this spot, I do think that this price is just way too high to be taking it with the Dodgers. Now, I do recognize how dominant they have been at home. Going into Tuesday, this is a squad that is 34-9 at home, but the Arizona Diamondbacks, 26-21 on the road, and on the run line, 35-17 and 17 as an underdog. So I do think that there's great value here on the Diamondbacks. So going to be taking the Diamondbacks, and I'm going to be taking the under with the recent form of Merrill Kelly. I've already locked in the under in wait-and-see mode on the Diamondbacks since I think that public betters are going to be eating up the LA Dodgers. 963-964 on the bank rotation. The Toronto Blue Jays play host to the Boston Red Sox. Chris Hale goes for the Sox. Meanwhile, Sean Reed Foley goes for the Toronto Blue Jays. Your total on this game is 9. The over is just between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Boston Red Sox, laying 260 across the board, plus price with the Toronto Blue Jays, anywhere between plus 220 and plus 230. If you bet on Chris Sale for $100 in every one of his starts so far this year, well, you've lost more money on him than any other pitcher out there in the big leagues, unfortunately. And with that said, I'm going to be riding with the run line of the Boston Red Sox, which is right now hovering right around minus 165 because Sean Reed Foley is a guy that I have absolutely no faith in whatsoever. Now, he actually did have a decent start in his first start of the year and across nine and two-thirds innings in both his starts and long relief. He hasn't been awful. He gave up two runs in five and a third innings in his start against the Kansas City Royals, but for his entire career, it just hasn't necessarily gone well. Last year with the Toronto Blue Jays, he was 2-4, 5-1-3 ERA. Now he's got good swing and miss stuff. Last year, he had 42 strikeouts in 33 and a third innings. 
He also has a walks issue. He gave up 21 walks in that time as well. And with the Boston Red Sox, you could tell from their performance yesterday that they are really heating up with the bats going into Tuesday. J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts, a combined 34 home runs. Both these guys hitting between a 298 and a 300. You've got Brock Holt, who's hitting above a 300 for this bunch as well. You also take a look at a guy like an Andrew Benatendi. He's not necessarily been as great with the bat this year as he has been in the past. He's still hitting nearly a 275 though. Jackie Bradley Jr. and Eduardo Nunez have kicked up their averages above a 235. Michael Chavis has 14 home runs. He's hitting a 260. You've also got Rafael Devers hitting a 326. And Mookie Betts, even though he's not what he once was, 265 average there. And then with the Toronto Blue Jays, this is a team that heading into Tuesday had scored five or more runs in 11 out of their last 12 starts in 11 out of their last 12 games, but they are hitting at the lowest average at home for the year, and I do think that this is going to regress to the mean a little bit. Eric Sogard doing a terrific job. 310 average for the team, and Lords Goriel really has been the difference maker. He's hitting above a 315 ever since coming off the injured list. 14 home runs, and I believe over the past month, he leads the league in a regards to the amount of stolen bases that he's gotten. And then you do have some power hitters as well. Justin Smoke, Randall Gritchick, and Rowdy Telez all have between 14 and 15 home runs. Problem with these guys is they're all hitting between a 225 and a 235. You've also got Brandon Jury, Teoscar Hernandez, and the entire catcher spot for the team hitting below a 210. Kayvon Biggio has picked it up with the bat. He's hitting a 255, and Freddie Galvis has been able to supply some power as well. 263 average to go with his 14 home runs, but all in all, things have not necessarily been going well for the team, and you expected a little bit more out of Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's hitting a 252. The Toronto Blue Jays bullpen has been a bit better in recent days, and we've noticed that the Boston Red Sox have not been getting the performances out of guys like Matt Barnes, Marcus Walden, and company, but I do think that Chris Sale is going to look like Chris Sale in this start. For the year, he's been a little bit up and down, 3-7 and seven record, but he doesn't deserve that 3-7 and seven record. He's got a solid fielding independent in 100 and a third innings. He certainly has shown that he's still got electric stuff, 148 strikeouts. That is over 12.5 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, in recent form, he hasn't necessarily been great. You recall his last start against the Chicago White Sox, he gave up five runs in six innings, but his previous four starts, he gave up a combined five runs, going at least six innings in three of them. So I do think that that White Sox start was a little bit of an outlier, and I think that he's going to be able to perform well in this one. So for that reason, I think that the Red Sox get to Sean Reed fully, and they put a crooked number up, and the Red Sox cover the run line with his total going over. Would like to lay a little bit less juice with the over, and with the Red Sox run line currently seeing at minus 165, obviously I would like a little bit of a better price, but we're going to be going with both of those. As we move on to 965-966 on the bang rotation, it is the Tampa Bay Rays, and they play host to the Baltimore Orioles. Jonathan Means goes for the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, for the Tampa Bay Rays on the betting board, it is listed as to be determined, which means that it is actually going to be Yoni Chirinos, according to ESPN. This is going to be a spot where you're probably going to be expecting the Tampa Bay Rays to be laying right around $2. And I will say this. For Jonathan Means, he deserves to be an all-star. 75 and two-thirds innings, has given up just eight home runs. He looked absolutely electric in his last start against the Cleveland Indians. There is one issue with Jonathan Means, though. It is the fact that he really doesn't go deep in his starts. Now, in the month of June, he was absolutely terrific. He wound up giving up a grand total of four runs across his four starts, but he only went past five innings once, which means that you have to put your hands in the bullpen of the Baltimore Orioles and we've seen the work of the Baltimore Orioles bullpen for the year. It's not good. They've been a little bit better recently, but all in all, not a group that I really want to trust in. Yoni Chirinos, meanwhile, all but one of his starts have went under so far this year. That is one of the more impressive trends that you're going to find because he has made 11 starts so far. 
One and ten is the overhead is something that you do want to note. He's been a little bit all over the place. He certainly hasn't gotten blown up in any of his starts. He wound up making six of them in the month of June. He gave up more than three runs in just one of them, but he's been doing a lot of six innings and giving up two and a half runs essentially per start. So he's been up and down. He does give up the long ball. 14 home runs, give it up in 93 innings. But with the Baltimore Orioles, other than Renato Nunez and Trey Boom Boom Mancini, you don't have a lot of power. With Renato Nunez, he entered into Tuesday with a 239 average. He has went deep 18 times. And with Mr. Mancini, he's a great job of being able to provide for this team. His batting average hovering right around 300. He's got 17 home runs, but then you've got a lot of guys that are letting the team down with the bat. I know that Chris Davis went deep yesterday, but he, Stevie Wilkerson, Keon Broxson, Richie Martin, Rio Ruiz, all guys are hitting a 230 or lower. But you do have Hanser Alberto who's hitting above a 310. And against lefties, he's hitting nearly 400. He's been terrific in that regard. Jonathan Villar is up to his average to a 258. Dwight Smith Jr. hitting a 250. Chancisco is singing the I'm hitting 260 song instead of the thong song. And Anthony Santander has been solid himself with a 275 average. But then for the Tampa Bay Rays, you don't necessarily have that one guy that is just lighting the world on fire with regards to home runs, but you've just got a bunch of guys that are hanging right around 280 with about 12 home runs. Awesome Meadows is certainly one of them. He's got 12 home runs with a 288 average. Tommy Pham, 13 home runs, 280 average himself. Brandon Lowe, 15 home runs. He's hitting right around a 270. You've got Avicio Garcia hitting a 275. He's got a double-digit amount of home runs. Kevin Kiermeyer and Willie Adams both hitting between a 245 and a 252 themselves. Joy Wendell and Mike Zanino are both hitting below the Mendoza line. And Travis no, not necessarily sharp with the bat. And then you've got G-Man Choi hitting at 265. So I do think that this could be a little bit of a rough go of it for both offenses. Right now, Malines are to the under and to the Tampa Bay Rays on the run line, but if you see the Baltimore Orioles getting like $2 with Jonathan Means, certainly would be something that I would have to take a look at. So, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed, at GNRSquare1 once a line is available for set plays there. 967-968 on the bank rotation. The Texas Rangers play host the LA Angels. Griffin Cannon goes for the Angels. Ariel Gerardo for the Texas Rangers. Your total on this game is 11. The over has juice of minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at the Angels, you're going to be getting a price of anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. The plus price with the Texas Rangers between plus 110 and plus 115. Ariel Gerardo certainly has been a little bit up and down so far this year. Griffin Canning has shown a lot of promise as a young starter. I will say, I think that the numbers seem to be getting a little bit overinflated on Griffin Canning though. Just a .99 whip, which is nice, but a 379 ERA, 3-4 record, and he's given up the long ball a lot. 61 and two-thirds innings. He has given up 12 home runs, and he's out there in Arlington where Humidity is very, very high. In his last two starts in the month of June, he gave up two each while going at least five innings. But first three starts, he gave up four runs, three runs, four runs while going six innings in each. So certainly nothing great, but nothing awful. Meanwhile, Gerardo, 5-3 and three record, 390 RA. He's been doing a decent job of keeping the ball in the yard. 57 and two-thirds innings. He's given up seven home runs. Now, he did have a couple shaky starts in June, giving up seven runs in three innings against the Cincinnati Reds were bad, but he also was coming off a start against the Detroit Tigers, in which he gave up a goose egg in seven innings. He gave up four runs in the start before that in six innings against the Chicago White Sox, but all in all, he has been pretty solid, and with the Texas Rangers, what we're noticing is that their bullpen is really ascending. Guys like Sean Kelly, Jeffrey Springs and company are doing a much better job. Meanwhile, with the LA Angels, you have a tough time trusting in the likes of Hansel Robles, 
Cam Bedrosian now, and it's just really gotten bad. And with the Texas Rangers, they're getting healthier. Joey Gallo's back in the lineup, 286 average. He has went deep 20 times. He still have 100 pence on the 10-day injured list, but Elvis Andrews certainly providing his average. He is hitting above a 300. Danny Santana hitting just below a 300 himself. At the top of the lineup, you've got Sin Chu who has hit nearly a 280 to go with 12 home runs. The line of the Shields Jr. has his average hovering right around a 250. Logan Forsythe has seen his average dip to a 260. And then you've got a couple guys that are rough with the bat. Tim Fedorowicz, Jeff Mathis, Ronald Guzman, Rudnan Odor. All guys are in a 216 or lower. And then you also have Azurbo Cabrera hitting right around a 230. But how about that man, Joey Gallo? Ever since coming off the injured list, he's been great. 286 average, 20 home runs, 46 RBI. No Mazzara, 12 home runs ago with a 265 average himself. And with the Texas Rangers, I just like the way that they're playing at home going into Tuesday, 28-15 and 15 at home. Now, you got to think that the LA Angels are going to be playing this game with heavy hearts. They were certainly yesterday, and they do have a lot of guys that are doing a great job with their average, and it all starts with that man, Mike Trout. He is hitting just below a 322 home runs, nearly 60 RBI, but Tommy LaStella at the top lineup has won a little bit overlooked as well. He's hitting above a 316 home runs for him. You also have to like the fact that Albert Pujols and Cole Calhoun have a combined 30 home runs, even though both these guys are hitting between a 225 and a 235. Luis Rangifo is hitting at 252, but then you've got Ryan Goodwin and Justin Upton both hitting between a 272 and a 280. And then you've got to like what Shohei Otani's done too. He's hitting right around a 300, and we have seen Ariel Gerardo be a little bit hit or miss. It's a little bit of a tough spot because Griffin Canning has looked good recently. The beginning of the month of June was a little bit rough, but we're noticing that the Texas Rangers are really slowing down with their home runs, especially with Hunter Pence out. Sinchu Chu has been in a little bit of an outage himself. The Angels, they've got a lot of emotion on their side, and I think that that's going to carry them through on this one. So for that reason, riding with the Angels and the under, noticing a little bit of steam coming in on the Texas Rangers, and I'm I'm seeing a little bit of steam coming in on the over, so I'm in wait and see mode on those, but we're going to be taking a little bit of emotion once again here with the Angels and the total under. 969-970 on the bank rotation. you got the Detroit Tigers, and they are on the road facing off against the Chicago White Sox, and you've actually got two of them as 981-982 is game one of this doubleheader. This is going to be the game that is going to have a first pitch time of 2.10 p.m. Eastern, so keep in mind that the game 981-982 is actually game one. Game 969-970 is actually the later game. For 981-982 on the bang rotation, you do have a listed starting pitcher for both teams. It is going to be Daniel Norris going on the bump for the Tigers. Meanwhile, Dylan Cease is going to be going for the Chicago White Sox. Game 2, which is 969-970 on the bang rotation, we'll see for the Chicago White Sox Ross Detweiler. Meanwhile, the Detroit Tigers, it's to be determined, which means it's most likely going to be Stinking Ryan Carpenter or stinking Gregory Soto. But I will be able to give you numbers on 981, 982. As we're seeing this in a couple shops around town, total anywhere between 9.5 and, and 10. The over on 9.5 is minus 120. The under is even on the 10. The under is minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at taking the Detroit Tigers, you're getting anywhere between plus 123 and plus 125. Want to lay it with the White Sox in 981, 982, which is game one of this doubleheader. Anywhere between minus 133 and minus 135. And this is a spot where I actually do take a look at the Detroit Tigers. We were talking about this with Mr. Engelhart in the last segment. Dylan Cease is a guy that I really don't have a lot of faith in. I know that he was a very highly touted prospect, one of the top 30 according to many prospect books. But I'm taking a look at his AAA numbers. 
A 1.566 whip at the AAA level so far this year. He's given up 9.9 hits per nine innings. Done a great job of keeping the ball in the yard. Just a half home run per nine innings, but we know this about the Detroit Tigers. They really don't pride themselves on hitting home runs. They pride themselves on just being able to get on base. 448 ERA as well. And like I said with the Detroit Tigers, not a lot of pop. I believe that they are second worst in the big leagues to hitting home runs only to the Miami Marlins, but you do have Brandon Dixon hitting a 247. He's went deep 11 times, 32 RBI. Miguel Cabrera has only four home runs so far this season, but he is hitting a 299. We are noticing some dipping batting averages for this team. Jacoby Jones has been decent, 248 average. He's got nine or 10 home runs. Nick Cassianos hitting a 275, but then you've got Nico Goodrum and Christian Stewart, both hitting between a 225 and a 235. And then Jaimir Candelario, Jody Mercer, Brian Wilson, Grayson Griner, all these guys are hitting a 215 or lower. You could throw Roddy Rodriguez into that fold as well. And for the Chicago White Sox, they certainly do have the better bats. Luis Garcia at the top of the lineup is hitting a 290. Yoan Moncada, 14 home runs, hitting above a 300. Jose Abreu supplying the boom, 19 home runs, 268 average for him. He's got nearly 60 RBI. James McCann and John Jay are both hitting right around a 320. In the case of Jay, a 350. But then, got a couple guys who are letting the team down with the bat there as well. Yonder Alonzo, Wellington, Castillo, Jose Rondon, Ryan Cordell. All guys are hitting a 225 or lower, but Yomer Sanchez has upped his average to a 250. Eloy Jimenez hitting just below that, but he has supplied his power. And with the Chicago White Sox, we're noticing guys like Evan Marshall and Aaron Bummer are starting to let the team down with regards to the bullpen, and I do think that both these bullpens are going to be very heavily taxed. I do think that Daniel Norris is actually going to be able to deliver a decent start here as well. 2-7 record, 462 ERA. Certainly has been taken deep. 85 and two-thirds innings. He's given up 15 home runs, but you take a look at him in recent form. It hasn't necessarily been awful. You take a look at all six starts that he made in the month of June. He gave up three runs or fewer in four of them, including three out of his last four. The lone start where he really got blown up was when he gave up six runs and seven innings against the Cleveland Indians, but all in all, he's actually been doing a halfway decent job, and I think that that's going to get the job done for the Detroit Tigers. So on 981-982, this is the Second game, this is game one of the doubleheader in regards to time, but game two in regards to how it's listed on the bang rotation. I've already locked in the Detroit Tigers with a plus price. And Wayne Simone on the over, but I'm going to be on that. 969-970 has no game up on the board, has no line listed on the board right now because we don't know the starting pitcher. But my lean on that would be White Sox run line and the over. As always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at Unitary one for set plays there. Hopefully I did a good job of keeping that straight for you. 971-972 on the bang rotation. It is the Cleveland Indians on the road against the Kansas City Royals. Danny Duffy goes for the Royals. Mike Clevenger for the Indians. Your total on this game is 9. The over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 110. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Indians, laying anywhere between minus 145 and minus 147. Plus price here with the Royals is anywhere between plus 130 and plus 137. And I do think that Mike Clevenger is going to be able to deliver a little bit of a better start than he did against the Baltimore Orioles. He has been a wreck ever since coming off the injury list. He recorded just five outs against the Orioles in his last start. He wound up giving up in those five outs seven runs. Needless to say, that is not good, but this is a man with very electric stuff. He was terrific for the Indians last year, and an 18 and a third inning so far this year, 31 strikeouts, so it's still there. Meanwhile, Danny Duffy, he certainly has had his ups and downs. Three and four record, 4-4-3 ERA. You take a look at the month of June, it was a little bit of all over the place. Giving up 
Four runs in two of his starts, one of which he only goes two and a third innings against the Boston Red Sox. His last two starts, he was actually pretty good, though. He winds up going a combined 14 and two-thirds innings, giving up six runs against the Minnesota Twins and on the road against the Toronto Blue Jays. So nothing necessarily awful there. But then when you take a look at the way that he ended May, he gave up six runs in five and a third innings against the Texas Rangers as well. This is a man that's giving up a couple too many home runs, 11 home runs and 69 innings so far this year. you got to think the Cleveland Indians are going to be able to get back online with their bat. You have to love what Carlos Santana has been doing for this team. Hitting just above a 290, 18 home runs, 53 RBI. Francisco Lindor doing a good job of setting the table. 12 home runs, 290 average for him. You also have Orlando Mercado hitting above 300. Jordan Luplo and Taylor Naquin both have their averages hovering right around a 250. And then you've got Roberto Perez who's hitting a 238. He has provided 14 home runs. And Jason Kipnis has his average back around a 250 after a rough start to the year. You do need to be getting a little bit out of a couple more bats as well. Jake Bowers is hitting just below a 230. Jose Ramirez is ceiling below 220. And Bobby Bradley hitting well below the Mendoza line, which is 200 or worse. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Royals, they are certainly happy to have Adelberto Mondesi back in the fold. He has a 270 average over 40 RBI and leads the league in regards to stolen bases. Whit Merrifield is hitting a 300 along with Hunter Dozier and Kessler Cuthbert. They have all been doing a great job there. Alex Gordon has a decent on-base percentage. He's hitting a 265. And then Jorge Soler, though he's only aiming at 233, he has supplied 22 home runs, but then got a couple guys that are struggling with the bat. Martin Maldonado, Cam Gallagher, Billy Hamilton, Ryan O'Hearn, Lucas Duda, all guys that are hitting below a 230 for this bunch, and Nicky Lopez hitting a 225 as well. We have noticed that the Cleveland Indians bullpen has been terrific. Number one in regards to bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues, so even if Mike Clevenger has a rough start, they still have faith there. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Royals, guys like Scott Barlow and company have been doing a decent job, but you can't trust in a few other guys like Willie Peralta and things like that. So for that reason, all aboard the Cleveland Indians run line, trusting in a bounce back for Mike Clevenger, and we are going to be taking this total over as well. In Wayne Seamode on the over, I'm seeing a run line price of the Indians of a plus 105. I'd like to be able to get a little bit more, considering this line is right now hovering around minus 145. 973, 974 on the bank rotation. The Oakland A's play host to the Minnesota Twins. Kyle Gibson goes for the Twins. Tanner Anderson for the Oakland A's. This is a line that it shot out a little bit lower than we thought as the Minnesota Twins are laying anywhere between minus 124 and minus 125. Plus price on the air is between plus 114 and plus 115. Total is 9.5. Under is use of minus 115. The over is minus 105. Myself and Hunter were thinking that this line was going to be higher. I thought that $2 was a little bit lofty like he was throwing out there, but man, at 125, you really got to be looking at the Minnesota Twins because Kyle Gibson, 8-4 record, 421 ERA. He has given up 12 home runs in 87 and two-thirds innings, but you know that the Marine layer is going to be out, so that is going to help him out because this is a night game out there in Oakland. He has been a little bit up and down. Certainly did not perform his best in his start against the Boston Red Sox in which he gave up six runs and four and a third innings but he also has been able to provide some good starts. The two starts before then, he gave up a combined four runs in 15 innings so encouraging signs there. And for Tanner Anderson this is a man that just was terrible with the Las Vegas Aviators had an ERA above six there. He has a 7-1-3 ERA now and he's just been getting shelled in his most recent starts. In his last two starts, he's won a combined six and two-thirds innings, giving up ten runs. Things have really regressed to the mean. I will say with the Oakland A's, the bullpen of this team with guys like Yasmero Petit and 
Blake Trine and company has been pretty good, but with the Minnesota Twins, you've also got a lot of pretty good backs. Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario, a combined 41 home runs going into the team's game on Tuesday. Kepler hitting a 270, Eddie Rosario 282. Jorge Polanco has a double-digit amount of home runs. He's hitting at 320. You've got Mitch Garver and Nelson Cruz both off the injured list. These are a pair of men that have been providing some power with Nelson Cruz leading the way with 16 home runs. Miguel Sano is hitting a home run every 10.5 at-bats. You've got Byron Buxton and... Marwan Gonzalez off the injured list. Both these men hitting above a 250 do a solid job of being able to get on base. Luis Arias in a very limited amount of at-bats entered into Tuesday hitting above a 400. We have to like what you've seen out of C.J. Crone. 271 average, 17 home runs. And then you've got guys like Mike Morin and Ty Duffy in the bullpen that have done good for the Minnesota Twins. Meanwhile, with the Oakland A's, they have been doing a very solid job, and they've been doing a really good job against left-handed pitchers. Against right-handed pitchers, it's been a little bit different, though, and obviously Kyle Gibson is a righty, so they may not play into their hands, but you do have Marcus Simeon, who's done a nice job of getting on base, 272 average. Matt Chapman has really been the matcher for this team. He has 21 home runs. His batting average is right now hovering right around at 270. Matt Olson is hitting a home run every 12 or so at to go with his nearly 250 average. You've got Chris Davis hitting right around a 250 as well. He's got 16 home runs. Mark Cann has seen his average right around a 235, and Chad Pinder's hitting nearly a 250, along with Robbie Grossman. And Lamont Loreno has done a good job with that as well. 260 average, 13 home runs. And then you got like what you've seen out of Jeff Fugley hitting a 260 with over 40 RBI as well. This is a spot, though, that I think that the Minnesota Twins certainly have more firepower, and I do think that they're going to show it in this spot, and I think that they are going to do bang around Tanner Anderson. So for that reason, we are all aboard the run line of the Minnesota Twins and the over. Currently seeing a run line price of a plus 130. And we Simo to see if I can get maybe a little bit more. That seems a little bit low, especially considering this line before I got on the podcast was hovering right around a 115. So in Wayne Simo there and with the over would like to be able to get maybe either a nine or even a even priced nine and a half. So just a Wayne Simo on both of those, but we're going to be riding them. 975, 976 on the bang rotation. We head to New York as it is going to be the Yankees on the road facing off against the Mets. Jason Vargas is going to be going for the Mets. For the New York Yankees, it's going to be to be announced, which means that this game is off the board. But right now, I am seeing a listed starter on ESPN for the New York Yankees of Domingo Herman. So I think that's going to be very interesting because Domingo Herman got off to a tremendous start this year. 9-2 record, but his peripheral numbers may not indicate it. 386 ERA in his two starts in the month of June. He gave up a combined seven runs and nine and two-thirds innings, so he certainly was getting figured out. Jason Vargas, meanwhile, has been terrific since coming off the injury list. For the year, 66 and a third innings. He's given up eight home runs, so he's certainly been doing a decent job there. He knocked off the New York Yankees in his last start against them, and in the month of June, he wound up giving up three runs or more in just one start, and that was ironically when he went six innings against the New York Yankees. Now, he hasn't been providing a lot of good length lately. In his last three starts, he's made a pass the fifth inning in just one of them. He's given up two runs in every one of them, though, so he certainly has been limiting the damage. We also know with the New York Mets, the bullpen is not good. You can't trust an Anyone at this point. I'm not even going to go through the names. You can't trust anyone. Meanwhile, with the New York Yankees, you've got Tommy Canley, Adam Adovino, Aroldis Chapman, Zach Britton. The list goes on and on. And with the New York Yankees, you've obviously got a lot of power. And a guy that hasn't provided a lot of power, but has just done a great job of getting on base, DJ LeMayu. Entered into Tuesday, 345 batting average. Gio Urshela and Cameron Maben, both hitting above 300 themselves. Aaron Judge, ever since coming off the injured list, has been solid. He's hitting nearly at 300 along with D.D. Gregorius. 
Sanchez. Gary Sanchez has 23 home runs. He's hitting nearly a 260. You are noticing that Luke Voigt has been in and out of the lineup recently, but he's got 17 home runs to go with a nearly 260 average. Edwin Encarnacion, over 20 home runs himself. Glaber Torres has been a nice piece as well, 297 average. He's went deep 19 times so far this year. Though Brett Gardner and Aaron Hicks are both leaving a little bit of something to be desired. All in all, this is a very formidable lineup. Meanwhile, the New York Mets, you do have some guys that are doing a great job with the bat as well. Jeff McNeil at the top lineup, hitting nearly a 350. And then you've got Pete Alonso, J.D. Davis, Todd Frazier, Wilson Ramos. All these guys are hitting between a 277 and a 265. And in the case of Pete Alonso, well, he's been going deep a whole lot so far this year. 28 home runs there. Todd Frazier has been doing a good job with his home runs. He's got a double-digit amount. Now, you do have Robinson Cano and Michael Conforto needing to pick it up with the average. Both these guys in between a 241 and a 246. But with Conforto, 16 home runs so far this year. Amid Rosario is hitting nearly a 260 as well. So, got a lot of good bets in the lineup. They've relegated out guys like Juan Lagares and Carlos Gomez have not necessarily been performing, but even though Jason Vargas has been pitching quite well, this is a spot where I cannot trust in the Mets bullpen. So if I'm getting a reasonable price on the Yankees, which I would say is minus 145 or less, I would be looking at the Yankees. Now, if the Mets are getting like $2 or something like that, I'm going to take a shot on Jason Vargas and I'm going to take a shot on the poopy bullpen. But with that said, early leans, New York Yankees and the over. As always, check back on my Twitter feed at GNR Squarey. One once the line is up for set plays there. 977-978 on the bank rotation. The Colorado Rockies play OC Houston Astros. Wade Miley goes for the Astros. Peter Lambert for the Colorado Rockies. Total in this game is 13 and a half. The over juice is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 105, and that goes for the under as well. So you're able to get favorable juice wherever you look. If you're looking at the Astros, anywhere between minus 130 and minus 140 is the price. Plus price with the Colorado Rockies, anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130. Peter Lambert, just a guy that I can't trust in at this point. I will say, for a pitcher, he actually is a very good hitter as well, and this is going to be played at Coors Field. So you've got to like that. Peter Lambert hitting like 300. It's absolutely insane. And his 2-0 record, very misleading. 6.57 ERA. He had two good starts against the Chicago Cubs, and ever since then, he has just been getting mashed. I think that in his last, like, nine innings, he's given up seven home runs. It's not very good. Meanwhile, Wade Miley, he's been having a party with the Houston Astros and out there in the USA. 6-4 record, 3.39 ERA. It has been a little bit of a climb as he's given up 14 home runs at 95 and two-thirds innings, and it's only 80 punch-outs, but he's backed up by a bullpen with guys like Ryan Presley and company that have been doing a very solid job, but... We know that things are very much elevated in Coors Field. The Rockies are averaging seven runs per game at home, just under four and a half on the road. The Rockies also fourth best ERA on the road so far this year, worst ERA at home. And with Peter Lambert getting the start, you got to think that you're going to see guys like DJ Johnson and Cesar Estevez and company, and it's going to be a lot of bad bullpen arms. So I do give the edge here to the Houston Astros. And you got like the way that Alex Bregman is playing. 266 average, 22 home runs, 52 RBI. You do now have Jose Altuve and George Springer off the injured list as well. And then you still have out there Michael Brantley, who's been hitting above a 310 all year long. There have been a couple guys that have been letting the team down in regards to average, like your Tony Kemp's. Tyler White and Max Sassy, all these guys hitting a 230 or lower, and Robinson Chirinos hitting just a 236, but Miles Straw hitting nearly a 300. Josh Reddick in that neighborhood as well. Jordan Alvarez has been hitting above that 
in a limited amount of at-bats too. So you've got some good bats there. And for the Colorado Rockies, you've got to love the way that the top lineup is hitting. David Dahl, Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, all inning a 319 or higher. In the case of Arenado and Charlie Blackman, 20 home runs apiece. Trevor Story has been doing a nice job of stealing a double-digit amount of bases, 293 average. He's went deep 17 times. He is fresh off the injured list. Daniel Murphy and Ian Desmond, both hitting above a 275 after a rough start to the year. Tony Walters is hitting a 296, and Ryan McMahon more in the realm of a 250. And I do think that this is a game in which we are going to see Peter Lambert get hit, and he's going to get hit hard. I think that this is where the Houston Astros, they just lay it on them. Currently seeing a run line price of the Astros of even. would like to be able to get a little bit of a plus number, but we're going to be aboard the over and the Colorado Rockies. Likely going to be taking that lower juice over of 13.5. Going to see if it maybe zips the 13 as well, but we're going to be riding out both of those as we move on to 979-980 to round things out on the bang rotation. The Seattle Mariners play also the St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright goes for the Cardinals. Mike Leak for the Seattle Mariners. Your total on this game is 9.5. Under as juice between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you like the St. Louis Cardinals, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 123 and minus 133. Your plus price with the Mariners, anywhere between plus 123 and plus 113. Now, Mike Leak has been giving up a whole lot of home runs. He has been leaking long balls left, right, and sideways, giving up 23 of them for the year, but he actually did a much better job in the month of June, and he is a guy that's able to give you some length, 7-7 record, 463 ERA. Meanwhile, with Adam Wainwright, he actually has been a good pitcher to the under. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure why. 5-7 record. 435 ERA. Take a look at what he did in the month of June, though. In four starts, he didn't give up more than three runs at any of them, and he wound up being able to provide at least five innings in three of those starts. So, all in all, it was a decent month, but he certainly doesn't have his command. 33 walks and 82 and two-thirds innings. Meanwhile, with Mike Leake and his five starts in the month of June, it was a box of chocolates. He went at least five and a third innings in every one of them, giving up one, two, three, four, and seven earned runs in those starts. So, Needless to say, it's been a little bit erratic, and I do think that he's going to give up a couple of runs in this one, even though the St. Louis Cardinals are without Marcelo Zuna, who's got 20 home runs so far this year. They do have Yadier Molina in the fold. He's hitting a 265, and Jose Martinez really has been their best guy at being able to provide average at a 281. Paul DeYoung and Paul Goldschmidt have been a little bit underwhelming with their batting averages. For DeYoung, he's hitting a 260 to go with 13 home runs. Goldschmidt just a 246 and has gone deep 14 times. Dexter Fowler is hitting a 243 now. Harrison Bader has seen his average up to a 206. 239 is the average of Colton Wong. And a very nice surprise for the team has actually been Yario Munoz, who entered into Tuesday's action in above a 300. But for the Seattle Mariners, they've got a lot of guys that are hitting home runs on this team. Domingo Santana, 278 average, 62 home runs, 18 RBI. Omar Navarez and Tomas Murphy are both hitting above a 275 and combined for the second most home runs and combined for the third most home runs at the catcher spot out there in the big leagues. But you do have the struggling bats as well. Dylan Moore, Malik Smith, Kyle Seeger, Mac Williamson, all these guys hitting at 230 or lower, but J.P. Crawford, 310 average, G. Gordon, 14 stolen bases go with his 270 average as well, and then Daniel Vogelback, only hitting at 245, but 20 home runs certainly has been getting the job done there. This is a spot where I do think that the Mariners are going to be able to get to Adam Wainwright in this spot, and we're noticing with the St. Louis Cardinals, they're running out of bullpen arms as well. You now have Jordan Hicks out for the year with a UCL injury. This means that you're going to have to rely a lot on Giovanni Gallegos and Andrew Miller. And with the Seattle Mariners bullpen, 
They really don't have anyone that you could trust other than maybe Rayonis Ellis. So I do think that even though the St. Louis Cardinals had the second fewest runs per game out there in the month of June, they are going to be able to provide a lot here. And the Seattle Mariners, as we know, best team with regards to the over out there in the big leagues. So going to be riding with the Mariners and the over. Have already locked in the over in Wayne Seabot on the Mariners. And when I do lock in a number, you'll be able to see it on my Twitter feed at GNNR Squirty1, which is also where you can ask a question if you have it for this fine podcast, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. A big thanks to Hunter Engelhart of Sports Memo for joining me in the second segment. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.